0: I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is Please Go On, our new podcast that spotlights an important opinion column every week. Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs achieved national prominence after last November's election when her state moved from being an electoral college battleground to a front in the legal and political conflicts over counting ballots. Hobbs, a Democrat, wrote in an op ed for The Post this week that, quote, democracy is under siege in Arizona. Joe Biden beat Donald Trump there by 10,457 votes, becoming the first Democrat to carry the state since Bill Clinton. Responding to pressure from Trump, Arizona's state senate seized the ballots and voting machines from Maricopa County using a legislative subpoena. Trump has embraced the ongoing, widely criticized partisan audit that's followed. Simultaneously, the Republican legislature is moving to pass laws that would make it harder to vote next time. Hobbs, who's running for governor next year, says what's happening in her state demands federal intervention. To enshrine in national law various voter protections, she wants the U.S. Senate to pass the For the People Act, even if it means getting rid of the filibuster. In her piece, she calls out Kirsten Sinema, the Democratic senator from her own state who supports the bill, but opposes rolling back the filibuster. As long as the filibuster remains, this legislation is doomed. Here is our conversation. Secretary Hobbs, thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: At least 14 states have enacted 22 new laws that restrict voting access since the start of this year, including, of course, Arizona. We saw Democratic legislators in Texas walk out recently to delay the passage of a voting bill. In your op-ed, you cite other places considering similar measures. Why do you want the federal government to preempt these laws?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is really clear that voting rights across the country are under attack right now. And we saw the start of that um, when the Supreme Court rolled back Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act. But now with just the complete barrage of misinformation and lies following the 2020 election. And folks who are just not happy about the outcome, their response to that is just trying to make it harder for people to vote. And what I have said for months now is that no voter is In America should have their access to the ballot determined by who holds the majority in their state legislature. And these attacks on voting rights are completely partisan. And it is time for federal intervention, for a federal backstop to ensure that every voter in America has equal access to the ballot.
0: There are two bills being considered right now in the Senate. One is the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, which would prevent states from passing new measures to restrict ballot access that disproportionately target minority voters. But you write in your op-ed that this legislation would do nothing to roll back the anti-voting laws that are already on the books. The other federal law being considered, which you prefer, is the For the People Act, on the grounds that it would not just strike down a lot of the restrictions states have been imposing recently, but would actually expand voting rights with initiatives like automatic national voter registration aren't you worried at all that this effectively puts the federal government In charge of elections?
1: Well, I just disagree that these bills federalize elections. There is absolutely a role for the federal government to play in federal elections, which you can't separate state and federal elections uh, from each other for the most part. So there's absolutely a role for the federal government. We've seen the necessity for federal laws since the civil rights days in terms of upholding and ensuring people's fundamental right to vote, all Americans' fundamental right to vote. And that is being completely eroded by many states. And it is time for the federal government to step up again and reassert its role in ensuring access to the ballot across the country.
0: The For the People Act is 800 pages long. Democratic aides have said that it combines 60 different bills. It changes the redistricting process. It overhauls the campaign finance system. It even requires presidential candidates to release their tax returns. If Democrats have to pare this down in order to pass it because it's such a huge bill, what would you say absolutely must be included?
1: I think that the core pieces of this legislation that are fundamental, not just for Arizona, but for voting access across the country include striking down senseless voting rights restrictions that were seen passed across the nation, provisions like national voter registration. And those two things are both really key In terms of ensuring that equal ballot access back to the point I made that no American should have their access to the ballot determined by who holds the majority in their state's legislature. And I also think the restrictions on dark money are so fundamental in terms of the federal government having a role there.
0: On the campaign finance piece, though. One of the complaints I hear about the bill, including quietly from some Democrats here in D.C. who publicly support it, is that this would include six times federal matching for donations up to $200. There's a lot of fear here that this would overly empower small dollar donors on the far left and the far right, and that candidates would be catering to them because a $200 donation all of a sudden gets them $1,000 more in federal matching money.
1: Yeah, we have a a system of public financing for campaigns here in Arizona. That's not necessarily something that I think needs to happen at the federal level. I think that is up to states. And so I'm not as concerned about that provision as making sure that other provisions are in whatever we would see as a final version of this bill.
0: Even if the bill had 50 votes for it, which right now it doesn't because of Joe Manchin, it wouldn't be able to advance because of the filibuster. I was struck in your op-ed that you called out by name, Senator Cinema, who, along with Manchin, has been steadfastly opposed to getting rid of the filibuster. This has earned her a lot of enmity from the left, including, I know, in Arizona. Have you talked with Senator Cinema about rolling back the filibuster to pass the For the People Act?
1: My office has been in contact with all of our congressional delegation, including our senators, including Senator Cinema in particular. I know that her vote is important, and and I think she knows she's come out in support of this legislation, and so she knows the importance of it. There are other Democrats, and there are 50 Republican senators who should also get on board, and I'm calling for all of them to do the right thing and get these bills passed. I think that any leader who's not doing what it takes to protect voting rights, regardless of their party or which state that they serve, should do the right thing.
0: But Senator Cinema really has shown no signs of budging, even to pass a voting bill. Do you favor abolishing the filibuster altogether, or are you saying that there should just be some kind of an exception carved out for voting rights?
1: I'm in support of doing what it takes to get these bills passed. Republicans have been willing to make carve outs in the past for judicial nominations. And I think that voting rights um, are such a fundamental part of our democracy that they are just as important and deserve their own carve out if that's what needs to happen. We have to do what it takes to protect voting rights when the states are attacking them.
0: It feels like this could backfire badly on Democrats. Republicans may control the Senate a year and a half from now. And if Democrats blow up the filibuster for this legislation, Republicans could come back and pass a national abortion ban or a national concealed carry law to expand gun rights, or they could roll back regulations like the Clean Air Act or the Clean Water Act. Voting rights are obviously essential for the preservation of our republic. And for a lot of people, they're important enough to get rid of this longstanding protection that the filibuster provides for the minority party. But abortion and guns and deregulation feel just as important for a lot of people on the right. And it's easy to see them saying those issues are also worth making exceptions for to the filibuster when they're in charge, if Democrats did it this year for voting and campaign finance. Does that give you pause?
1: All of those are important issues. But what's clear right now is that the filibuster is a political game and that a minority gets to make a determination for the majority most americans support equal access to the ballot this is not something that we should be playing political games with
0: do you anticipate that senator cinema might be willing to to change on the filibuster based on your office's conversations with her
1: what i know about senator cinema is that she will work really hard to get the job done and i have confidence that she's going to be working on some sort of compromise that will allow this really important legislation to get through. I'm hopeful of that. And, you know, our office is going to continue conversations with all of our delegation to work on what's right for Arizona.
0: I want to shift gears a little bit and get your read on Arizona. President Biden carried the state very narrowly, but he carried it. There are now two Democratic senators for the first time since 1952. You got elected to the state house in 2010 from a Scottsdale area district and then went to the state senate in 2012, where you became minority leader. And in 2018, you won a statewide election to be secretary of state. How has Arizona transformed over the past decade?
1: Well, our population continues to grow. A lot of that growth includes the rising American electorate. And there's been an intense focus on registering and engaging new voters. And that work has not stopped. And I think that's part of what we've seen change in the ability to win statewide in Arizona in 2018, in 2020.
0: You mentioned in your op-ed that Republicans have rolled back the permanent early voter list, and they're considering a series of other bills that would make it harder for people to vote. How nervous are you that the legislature and the current Republican governor, Doug Ducey, are going to make it so that Democrats won't be able to win again in a purple but really sort of reddish state like Arizona?
1: What we saw in 2020 was voters willing to go through obstacles and hurdles, even though we did our part to to work on removing those barriers to ensure that no Arizona voter had to choose between their health and safety and their freedom to vote, there were still a lot of challenges in the 2020 election. And in Arizona and across the country, we saw historic participation I think that Arizonans are committed to the democratic process. They are engaged. They are ready for new leadership. And they've made it clear that they're not taking their right to vote for granted. And they're going to fight for that. And they're going to go through obstacles to make it happen. And, you know, my office is going to continue to work on overcoming, helping to tear down those barriers, despite what legislation is thrown out there, despite what laws are passed, we're going to keep focusing on ensuring that every eligible voter in the state is able to exercise their freedom to vote.
0: On the other hand, we have seen efforts to restrict voting backfire. In states like Georgia, where Republicans have made it harder to vote, that proved to be a galvanizing factor, especially among African-Americans. So I suppose we could see a similar dynamic play out, not just in Arizona, but a lot of these other states that are passing laws.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yes. Arizona is in the news right now because of this audit that's going on. And recently released emails actually showed that Trump and Rudy Giuliani were personally reaching out to state senators to urge them to move forward with a partisan recount, despite a lack of evidence of any widespread fraud or other irregularities. In recent weeks, Republican elected officials from Several other states who want to curry Trump's favor have been making a pilgrimage to Phoenix to review the process so that they can try to replicate it elsewhere. You won a court order to send impartial observers into the audit, and you've been warning that this is going to be used as a pretext to sow doubt in the integrity, not just of the Arizona election system, but of all election systems. Where do things stand right now with the audit?
1: I could spend hours talking about it, but the bottom line is that what has been created here is an atmosphere that is prime for cooking the books and coming up with a narrative that fits or a report that fits the narrative they've created about widespread election fraud. And I think that that these folks have been looking for a place to get a foothold across the country. Arizona was the place that they were able to do that, but they are, are certainly not intending to end here as indicated by all these folks from across the country that have come and toured this audit. So they're writing the playbook here to take this across the country. And so we have to be writing the playbook to stop it because there there is nothing going on here that is going to assuage any concerns about the election or will verify any election results when we already know that there was no fraud in the 2020 election they had a chance to bring evidence of that to court, and they failed nine times in Arizona, 60 sometimes around the country. And the election results that we certified are an accurate reflection of the will of the voters of Arizona. And this is just not how we do elections in America.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com
0: podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com podcast. You and a few other secretaries of state spoke with the uh, the Post's editorial board a few weeks ago, and you said something that I've thought a lot about, <laughs> which is uh, kind of chilling in the sense that you're seeing Republicans register as Democratic election observers. Can you talk about that? That was that was sort of scary to think about.
1: The parties can separately credential observers that come in, and, and that's a, a party function that's separate from the election workers. And so I have really definitely heard rumblings of concern among these local election folks that that they won't be able to screen people out that are trying to infiltrate the process with a partisan agenda, not to ensure the fairness of the process, but try to somehow influence the outcome.
0: Hmm. Wow. You mentioned in your op-ed that you've received death threats since the election. You've had armed protesters show up at your home you've needed a security detail. It is insane for any elections official anywhere in America to have to experience and go through this. With everything that you've faced over the last eight months, why on earth did you decide to throw your hat into the ring for the Democratic nomination for governor?
1: Well, I'm certainly not going to cave to their scare tactics. Arizonans are telling me that they are ready for new leadership, for leaders who will put the partisan politics aside and get to work, making Arizona work for everyone. That's what I've done throughout my whole career as a social worker in the legislature and as secretary of state. And that's what I'll do as governor. And These folks that are trying to intimidate me, they just want me to go away. And that is not going to happen.
0: Well, thank you, Secretary Hobbs. I really appreciate your time and and you discussing this obviously very important issue.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: That partisan recount in Maricopa County is nearing completion, but results from the process are not expected to be announced until sometime this summer. Republicans in Arizona's state legislature have struck back at Hobbs for her opposition to their recount by passing a measure to strip her of her ability to defend election lawsuits. They've given that power instead to the state's attorney general, who is, not coincidentally, a Republican. Meanwhile, here in Washington, the For the People Act appears doomed in the Senate, and the prospects for changing the filibuster look even more remote. And cinema the Democrat from Arizona, continues to resist pressure from her left to change course on the filibuster. She says it is vital to encourage bipartisanship. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, the Democrat, has announced that the Senate will take an initial show vote on this legislation next week, but he knows it won't be able to get the 60 votes necessary to advance. Please Go On is produced by Julie Deppenbrock with editing from Michael Duffy and Allison Michaels. This episode was mixed by Renny Sfernovsky. Our theme music is by Ted Muldoon. You can listen and follow us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because we're new, it's especially helpful if you can give us a good rating and positive review. If you want to read Secretary Hobbs' op-ed, you can find the link in our show notes. Thanks so much for listening. I'm James Holman. And I'll be back next Friday with the third edition of Please Go On, because there's always more to say.